Thanks for tuning into the Canadian Beacon Podcast. Canadian events for the regular people. Hey, Paul, how are you? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm going to try something here. I'm going to see if I can get out of here. Perfect, buddy. Did you get a chance to take a look at the People's Party of Canada? You know what? uh, What's that? It sounds good, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, they want to put money back into the pockets. They want to get rid of deficit spending in two years, decrease foreign aid development, decrease CBC funding equalization funding of programs with conventional municipal responsibilities um make a two-tier system of taxes from fifteen thousand uh, to raise it up to basic income tax of fifteen thousand and make it so that it's fifteen thousand one dollars to a hundred thousand dollars tax at fifteen percent and income over a hundred thousand dollars tax at twenty five percent well that's all right that's like a graduated kind of income tax that we were talking about and they want to decrease capital gains. It's at 50% right now. They want it down to zero. Oh, so uh, they want to no eliminate capital, capital gains, gains at all in. Absolutely. The personal capital, uh, capital gains. So that's awesome. Yeah. So I was just looking through a whole bunch of their points. Man, it's, just, it's, it's pretty much common sense. Hmm. And it's funny how they give Kretchen uh, credit for being fiscally responsible yeah back in the day so it's like they're trying to reach across the aisle but they can't just work with that guy yeah they just said that trudeau's an idiot yeah pretty much and well the other parties are just all far behind or all with them and it's weird focusing on the security and prosperity of canadians as a foreign policy yeah rejecting alarmism and focusing on concrete improvements to the environment and you see, they're trying to get this COVID stuff going, eh? Where you can't travel from province to province without a card. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So it might be enacted as, uh, as, as soon as possible within the next week or two to prevent Bernier from uh, campaigning across the country. Oh, yeah, possibly, eh? Mm-hmm. I think yes. I want to be a member. I think I'm going to buy a membership to a... Well, it's different than what we're used to, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It's pretty much the ref- our, our manifesto. It really is, isn't it? it really, it, it's as close as I think you're going to get a, uh, I don't know if I want to call them a national party, but I, I think that it's pretty darn close. Yeah, really. I'm just looking at their... Uh who they got for each district and that we have this girl, Jessica Han in ours. She's the one that brought forth the PCR testing going above and beyond the duty cycles to create a 97% false positive. Yeah. She was in city council doing that. Like, look at this guy. This guy's crazy. He wants to restrict the definition of hate speech in the criminal code to expression, which explicitly advocates the use of force against identifiable groups based on everything else. So, it, hate speech is only that that required that that uh, demands violence against someone else. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. 
Yeah, Todd's uh, driving, so he wanted to sign on, but it's not. He can't get signed on for some reason. So it'll just be you and me, Paul, for well, or maybe for there the whole go. thing. There we go, buddy. Yeah. But but yeah, so she spoke at a public health committee meeting where she advocated and presented peer-reviewed scientific studies that concluded that PCR testing tests to diagnose COVID, anything over 35 count will produce 97% false positives. Hmm. She also advocated proof local hospitals had the machine set to 45 counts. Yeah. So how can you not test positive? Yeah, really. Um, so she's in the St. Catharines area. And she just says, does it just says just she, by implementing common sense strategies with can first boat approach. Yeah, she was on. Uh, she was speaking to city council and to the regional council, and um, yeah, so that's 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 her kind of claim to fame. Well, she's a human resource management program, or she enrolled in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she started working at the HR department at Niagara College. So, oh, okay. funny thing, is it, so. It, it's almost like one of those things. Whoever wins is going to donate their seat to Bernier, right? If yeah. he can't win his riding. Yeah. That's the way it always seems like. I think that the PPC is actually going to win seats in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and uh, Manitoba. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Because they're uh, the people out there are tired of the conservatives too, especially after covid well, and especially after, you know, locking up in, in, in ultra conservative Christian communities, pastors. Yeah. yeah they're I don't gonna... think they're going to trust the PCs. Yeah, not likely. Yeah, I love even what he's saying about the veterans. Recognize and respect the meek sacrifices of those who serve their armed forces, enshrined legisl- in legislation, country's obligation to a military covenant between government and those who served, reinstate a fairness, fair disability pension. As provided by the Pension Act, the pension will apply retroactively 2006 and lump sum payments received since then will be treated as advanced payments. New Veterans Charter reemphasized the legislative guarantee of the benefit of doubt standard under the Pension Act. There, I just joined. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. I'll join right after you. Alrighty. I'll join after this. Okay, it just seems well, let's, to make let's, sense. let's talk about yeah, this people's it. parties uh, for a quick um, do our uh, our podcast on the People's Party of Canada. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, take it away, Paul. What do you think? People's Party of Canada, Maxime Bernier. What do we, wh- who is he? What's he all about? And what's going on? Yeah, so uh, as a leader of the People's Party of Canada, Maxime Bernier, Mad Max is known, has, um, has been traveling around the country campaigning, it looks like, ever since the last, campaigning harder over the last six months, going from city to city and province to province, just trying to, in his own words, try to apply a common sense approach to legislating and to um, lead the people. Uh, over the last 18 months with COVID, he's been trying to um, fight that uh, uh, if you want the vaccine, you can get it. Don't force others to have it. You should have a freedom of choice. That um, these lockdowns do nothing but to hurt the communities that um, uh, rely on tourism and other industries. And that um, 
the way out of this is not by crashing the economy and giving up our sovereignty and all of our resources to other countries, but rather to focus on Canada first and um, then look outward into the world. So it's kind of from a common sense approach where we haven't had a government in the last little while that actually takes a look at the issues affecting Canadians and, um, and, and trying to give power back to the Canadians and to give a voice to um, the constituents. And so it looks like that's, um, yeah, I think in the past with uh, the PC party, he might've had a little bit of a sketchy uh, past, but at the same time, you don't know how much of a muzzle he had on him. Now that he has his own platform and his own, um, own footing and grassroots, I think we're seeing the true Mad Max. And I, I, I think that uh, Canadians should uh, just perk up and listen to what he has to say. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I was just looking at his little background. Uh, he's uh, he's about fifty eight years of age, uh, born in Quebec, uh, father of two girls. He's uh, he's an experienced uh, runner. Uh, uh, he's an avid runner, I guess. Um, he's got a Bachelor of Commerce degree, not just a, a degree in liberal arts or anything, which is good. And uh, from the University of Quebec, and also entered law at the University of Ottawa, and was called to the Quebec bar in nineteen ninety. He's, uh, let's see, what else we got about him? He um, was elected to as a member of parliament in January 23rd of 2006 with uh, uh, the Conservative Party, I believe it was. And he is appointed to cabinet in February 6th of 2006 for the Ministry of Industry, which is good. So he's a solid guy when it comes to politics. That's for sure. Well-rounded. Yeah, well-rounded. He was uh, his success was in deregulating the major portions of the telecommunications sector. He has also uh, served as the Minister of Foreign Affairs, re-elected in 2008 uh, in Boris, Quebec, after receiving again the largest majority of all MPs in Quebec. And he was re-elected in 2011, and was appointed Minister of State for Small Business and Tourism. And the last time he was elected in November of 2015, he received 59% of the vote and he left the Conservative Party and sits as an independent right now, MP, and announced that uh, since the announcement of his new party. He has the background, he has the education, roughly just roughly my age, which, uh, which is interesting, which is good. And uh, yeah, it seems like a pretty solid guy so far doesn't see any big quirks about him no and i you know you, you see some of the news news uh coverages with him he doesn't read off, off a teleprompter off of cue cards like uh you see the guy in the states joe biden doing uh, he doesn't seem to have any handlers he's a free-flowing kind of speaker is a charismatic speaker when you when you listen to him and i think it's kind of what canadians need is uh a guy who's intelligent has a background, a pedigree in different um, different areas within the government and different positions that he's held, as well as he's uh, he fits the bill of uh, living in Canada, English and uh, French speaking. Yeah. So there's an appeal there. Yeah. And just looking at their platform, uh, they have the again we talked about the the freedom of expression, protecting uh, the uh, Canadians against censorship and discrimination, balancing the budget and public finance, uh, budgeting balancing the budget and hopefully cutting taxes, uh, encouraging he, he investment in productivity that, and growth. 
a but new relation to do it two in two years. That's the amazing part. Yeah. Well, that would, that would be uh, after the, the crash of uh, what Trudeau's done in the last year and a half, it might, that might be a little more difficult, but I'm sure he yeah. could do something uh, better than any of those other guys. If the other guys on here are talking about doing anything about the, the debt. So at least he's mm-hmm. talking about it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, indigenous issues. He's uh, looking to have a, a, a relation based on mutual respect. And again, you already spoke about the veterans standing behind the men and women uh, who's, you know, making a Canadian identity and in ending official multiculturalism and preserving Canadian values and culture. Yeah. Also with refugees ending our open border policies and pros- uh, prioritizing persecuted groups. That's good. Immigration is reducing the overall levels and prioritizing skilled immigrants. So get those, he wants to get those pipelines going, allowing oil and gas to grow. He wants to focus on security and prosperity of Canadians. Yeah, lots of good stuff here. Absolutely. He wants to reject a lot of the, the, the Paris Accord and the rejecting of alarmism and focusing on concrete improvements to the environment to bring about a positive change and just instead of just providing uh, carbon taxation, diminish any resources we have in Canada and to squash any kind of uh, development of any kind of uh, pipeline or uh, industry for that matter. Yeah, good stuff. And it looks like he also does a supply chain management, right? Yeah. He wants to talk about, uh, he's, he's one of the only guys I see on the platforms talking about dairy, poultry, eggs, making it affordable. Yeah. And, and trying to make the trade in between provinces. More, now, you know um, the problem with the dairy, poultry, and egg industry right now? What's that? Well, it's all on a, it's, you, you buy a, it's, it's basically a, a, a government-imposed oh, cartel. Um, yes. You, buy, you have to buy into it, yes. right? And uh, it's very closed, uh, managed industry, yeah, like I guess. A, yeah. Yeah, very regulated. Yeah, very, very regulated. regulated. And it, it's, it doesn't allow for any kind of um, free flow of uh of of an economy to you know like you're not going to often see milk or eggs and 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 on sale for anything because people uh it's all highly regulated oh yeah it doesn't matter if you go to sobeys or you go to no frills or you go to the corner store the prices of milk is only about 10 cent difference that's right and that's because of the control board yeah the the other thing i noticed about that is it's um it's one of the big uh problems for the Canadian free trade agreement that's going or whatever they call it now between the US and Canada because they have a free market for their eggs poultry and like and stuff you don't have to it's called quotas yeah they had to get a each of them have quotas you have to yes. buy a quota from uh, the industry to get into like if you wanted to sell eggs you have to buy a quota to be able to do so and same with uh, uh, poultry and same with dairy it's basically locked up and the only way it, it differentiates is if a farmer wants to sell his quota or retire more or less. And then it's uh it becomes a, an item like a, it's a commodity to buy to get. Yeah. It's essentially a commodity. So when yeah. you look at it and you want to, you want to uh, liken it to a, a program, you're looking at it over as almost like an oligarch kind of Russian um, superpower that the state appoints. And yeah, it's very locked. It's a, it's a very closed door um, society, absolutely. And and it's, it's the quota system. It is it is expensive to buy. 
Yeah. It is expensive to buy and it's an exclusive club. For sure. That's all right. So I and like you're what saying, he's talking about that. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about international trade eh? as well? Yes. And uh, border trade problems or? or Interprovincial trade. Courts. So he In, wants yeah. the kind of lip free flowing across the country. And uh, well, his actual, let's go to what, uh, what his plan is. Uh, removing trade barriers that would help families and businesses increase competition, raise productivity, and unite the country. Essentially, what it is is just kind of like get the federal government to step back and yeah. kind of kind of recognize that Canada is one country and we're not made up of a whole bunch of different provinces. That trade so responsibly, uh, raise public awareness. When you read a lot of his uh, platform ideas, is against the bureaucrats and against the the controllers that would uh, hire these big law firms to advocate and um, for special interest groups to kind of add, we, we would call a normal civilized uh, people uh, walking around is bribes. They call it, well, what's that word I'm looking for? They do a lot of that in the States where they're, where they go to DC and um, oh, the, advocate for some. The Jeez. canvas or the, the local uh, politicians to get them to vote. To sign off favorite. on a certain yeah. bill. Exactly. Yeah. There's a term for it. I know I, I'm terrible that way. <laughs> We're having the same thoughts right now. Yeah, that's but, all right. Um, but, but it is. It, when, you, when you talk about, just to go back a little bit too, about the poultry and the eggs and everything. The other thing with free trade that always comes up in discussions is lumber and softwood, right? That's what the U.S. usually has problems with with us. Yeah. And we usually go to the trade council and typically we win, but it's always, I think we win at a cost all the time. You never win against the U.S. because of the size and the the money that they have and the power. Yeah, exactly. But when you win, you lose still. So, so what he wants to do is he wants to um, he wants to essentially get rid of the seven percent import tariff of goods and services from province to province. Oh, okay. Break the barriers down, which no, you really that, shouldn't. That's be. silly that there's an import tariff between provinces. Right. Yeah. That, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, like you said, we're one country. What, what are we What are we doing doing this for? And what he says is really being cited with either the um, auditor general or he's going with the parliamentary notes. This stuff is just not based of, I think I'm going to do this because I think I can save this. When he, when he talks about things, it's pretty like right here in a 2016 study published in the Canadian journal of economics included that interprovincial trade barrier costs Canadians roughly 100 billion in lost economic opportunities annually. This is an equivalent staggering that is equivalent to $7,500 per household every year. Yep. That's, that's amazing. That, that's amazing. And then when you look at all these other plans and policies that it would be like, if you simplify Canada's tax code, most people pay up to $500 a year for their tax filings. When you can just do a simple flat rate tax from, he wants to raise the personal basic income tax to 15000 up from just over 12000 And from the 15000 $1 to $100,000, everything's taxed 15%. Yeah. So you really don't need a bean counter to, you just get a small little calculator out yeah. and do exactly. times 0.15. You, you know exactly how much it's going to be. Totally. And over $100,000 onward, it's 25%, which still keeps money in Canadians' pockets. What you do is you stimulate the economy because you have more money. And his, his essential policy is Canadians know what to do with their money more than the government knows what to do with their money. So let's get back to the Canadians to stimulate the economy. 
And by doing so, social programs will then be cut. So it's, it's almost like a two birds, one stone kind of scenario. And when we were talking earlier on some earlier podcasts with uh, yourself and and, uh, Todd, that um, when we did our Canadian manifesto, those are kind of a lot of the points we brought up. Yep. The points we brought up. It's, it's very similar to our, uh, the manifesto. Yeah, exactly. When I'm going through this. So, and he's holding actually a big rally today, Montreal. Oh yeah. And if you see the news reports, hundreds are attending. Well, that's a lot of hundreds. There's hundreds of hundreds. (laughs) There's, there's thousands of people on the street. It's amazing what the news will show is just a scraggling group at the very end. Yeah. And then split, split away. And then just zero in on Maxime to make it look like he's talking to six or seven people. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, the, the, the definitely as the enemy of the, the media for sure. Well, and you take, you take a look, right. One of his platforms to help with the economy is to help subsidize corporate welfare. So he wants to cut the BBC or the, the CBC funding by $1 billion. So he's not making any sweethearts uh, in with the liberal news media. So it's expected, but it, it, I love his plans. A lot of his plans are, he's a, he's a crazy guy. He wants to, he wants to avoid criminalizing legal gun ownership. Imagine that and guarantee their property rights. Yeah. Crazy. What a crazy concept, eh? Well, it sounds <laughs> like it might be democratic, might be of the people. Oh, that's very but interesting. I, I, I see if this election is called that we're right now, we're one step away, I think from communism. I really, really do. Yeah, I agree. Um, when, when we look, really look at the, 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 the tabled uh, theories that are out there about um, lockstep um, uh, operation lockstep, you've got the, the agenda 2030, all this stuff. Trudeau is, is racing headlong into that faster than any other, other country or province um, or, 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 or territory. It, it, it's amazing to where we're going and everything is, is, is listed as public safety, this and that. It's just amazing how people will give up their rights and freedoms for the appearance of safety. And yeah, like that old thing from Benjamin Franklin, right? Uh, if you're going to give up, uh, your freedoms for a little security, you're, you're not, you shouldn't be entitled to any security. Well, yeah, yeah. You, you're going to have none. Yeah. And essentially, I think one of the big things you look at Canada and the U S we do have legal gun ownership. And I think other if it wasn't for that, I think if you see the tanks rolling in and, um, the Brown shirts come knocking door to door. Yeah. We've seen the news and people are getting carted and stopped. Um, for eating out at local restaurants to see if they've uh, they've had their duly vaccinated card on. Yeah, people being carded for vaccinations rather than age, right? Well, you take a look. He announced. I, I think the election will happen because when we look at it, he made an announcement. But before he he moves on anything, I'm sure things are done behind closed doors where he he warned the universities and everything else. Before it was, you only had to be double vaccinated to go into residence, which, you know, if you want to stay in residence, you don't have to. Um, I can I, I, I can I can see that, that if, if you want to stay there, you got to you're under my my roof kind of a thing that your parents always told you, you abide by my rules. So I can understand that. But then Brock University releases it late Friday at Friday afternoon. 
you can't attend school, step foot on property as a contractor or work in the offices or a student without double vaccination. Or if you do, you've got to have your, your first vax by September 15th, your second vax by the end of, I think is October. Yeah. Well, that's, that's they're violating the constitution right there. Well, it's apparently you're, I thought you weren't supposed to discriminate, but the funniest thing is Brock has a discrimination, a student services that helps with disabilities. Yeah. But they're not accounting for this one. Um, well, it's, it's against the human rights uh, and it's also against the constitution. Yeah. Oh, I, exactly. Yeah. Charter rights and freedoms and everything else. Yeah. You know, you take, you take a look at this though, just to touch briefly on the, on the vaccines. When's the last time that you ever heard of a polio, mumps, measles, and rubella outbreak in an Amish village? <laughs> yep, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Are they pro-vax or are they anti-vax? Yeah. And I always love it when you get the uh, when you get the city types, the urbanites, these uh, eggheads at universities, trying to tell the Amish how to run a farm in farm best practices. They're already doing it without pesticides. They are GMO. They are pesticide free. <laughs> exactly. Their carbon footprint is near zero. It's just amazing that, uh, yeah, it, it's like you see on a job site at a, any construction site that I talk to of people. It's that newly formed engineer that uh, is a career student that comes out and tells the 80 year old Italian guy that's worked on a, on a construction site for 65 years, how to do his job and nothing ever works out well. It works on AutoCAD, but that's about it. Yeah. Not real world scenarios. So it, it is just interesting that the people, like we, we had a discussion earlier in the week, me and you, about how uh, people are anti-gun. And it, so it's like, they're trying to pit white against black, gun ownership against non-gun ownership. And it's just funny how people, I had one person said that there's no, no need for automatic rifles to be in people's hand. And I agreed with them because you're not allowed to have automatic rifles, right? That's right. It's illegal. Uh, you can't own them in Canada at all. So do we need more laws or we just need to enforce the laws? And um, it, it's just amazing that if you look at the statistics in the States with mass shootings, if you want to eliminate mass shootings, you essentially have to lock up Democrats because they're responsible for 90% of mass shootings. Yeah, that's true. They are. But the news media always lets on that it's a crazy Republican, probably a Trump supporter, even when Trump wasn't in office. But it's got to be a white supremacist, too, until they find out that it's a brown Mexican. Yeah, or a, or a definite uh, Democrat supporter that yeah. wants uh, and then, and then it just goes away. Yeah. And then that's, that story just disappears once you actually find the real truth. But it's, yep. just, it's, it's just people's misconceptions of what it's like. And they don't even know what the guns do or what they are. It's just totally mind-blowing. That it, What is the charge if you take a semi-automatic and you modify it to an automatic? Oh, it's that's possession a huge of charge. a derivative device. Uh, you get charged criminally. And that's and, not a, that's a serious offense, right? Yeah, it is. It's a it's a dual procedure under the code that uh, you could be tried by a summary conviction or by indictment, and uh, depending on how serious the the situation was and or your past criminal record, and uh, you could 
receive uh, jail time for sure. How many guys at the range uh, fully support that? That people like that should be it should be somehow charged. Yeah, all of them, everybody. They uh, no one there supports but... uh, you know the, the rules of the law as they stand right now. Uh, everybody supports uh, that. You know, we sh- the the only thing they don't support is this new ban on guns that look scary, which is. <laughs> And there's discrimination on that because that's only a ban for uh, us common folk, the stinky people, but uh, it's not banned for the indigenous uh, groups. Mm-hmm. So well, it's, it's funny you should say that because, you know, you take a look at this. People's Party of Canada require that all firearm categories be based on function, not on looks or arbitrary political whims yep. and remove ineffective restrictions which unfairly target sports shooters, but have no deterrent on effect on criminals. Holy cow, does that ever make common sense, eh? Yeah, really. Like, Sounds good to me so far. Yeah, I kind of like their platform. Um, They seem to be a very common sense. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to gain a lot more support over the next uh, little while here. I know, uh, I think so far it's, it's so good. I'm going to reach out to the local St. Catharines uh, representative and maybe see if we can get her on the program. I think that would be great. I think that would be great. It's, it's, uh, when, you, when you talk about parties of the past and being grassroots, I think we're at a crossroads right now yeah. where this election, I know a lot of elections, they usually say, um, this one, this one means the most, this one. But I honestly think that this one does mean the most. I think if we don't get the election right here, there might not be many opportunities after this to have an election. Yeah. Just with the way the world theater is playing out, the, the, the issues. And it seems like certain, certain groups or factions or, or governments around the world are rallying around the UN to try to institute more of not a, maybe not a new world order, but some kind of understanding that they need to uh, govern things with unity. So maybe a one world order, but um, I, I don't think we have too many more elections left in us before we start looking like the Chinese credit system. Yeah, uh, I might be wrong, but it, just look, look at taking the temperature gauge of the water. I think we're, we're, we're at a real big crossroads. So it'd be interesting to hear from these, um, these candidates uh, that, that surround us locally in this region, what their take on everything is, on both a, a provincial, national, and on a world stage, uh, where they see Canadians and where they see Canada fitting on the world stage. Oh, we're a joke right now, I think. Well, yeah, it's... Uh, well, there's quite a few countries that are a joke, though, really, when you look at it right now. Yeah. When I look around the world, I think that Poland has their stuff together. Yeah. I don't think well, you can lie it, to a Polish person. When what, what One in five or one in three Polish people were killed during World War II. Yeah. And yeah, I, so they know the ramifications of socialism. The, they know how devastating it could be, right? Well, do you notice how you said, first of all, it was democratic socialism, right? where they try to throw the democracy in there. Yeah. Then they just go right to socialism. Now it's like, I don't know, is this socialism? Did you misspeak or is it communism? Yeah. I think we're right now communism light. And yep. I think if we get I this election wrong, it's going to be communism straight up. And 
we're not straight up communism right now, but I think after this election, if it's called, um, if, if Canadians remain complacent and have a sheep like herd mentality, we're in trouble. We're in I trouble. Agree. I think the big issue is if the liberals ever gain a majority, we will slip into a, uh, a dictatorship. Yeah, well, there would be no checks and balances at that point. And no. the difference between what we have and really what the states fought for to get away from the king, we're going to go right back into like a monarchy, monarchy king, really. Yep. Uh, without the it. elected king or forever, right? Well, it really, it, it, you have no voice, it seems like, with the other parties that if you don't agree with the political leader, you're out, as yeah. evidenced by the the member in the conservative party that disagreed with the Derek passport Sloan? system um nope nope uh, i forget what his name is uh he, he's up in the yukon and oh yeah we'll just kick yeah. him uh kick him off the uh, kick him off the the trail so even even the party that's trying to represent the canadians it has it has some flavor of dictatorship that he's that that local candidate isn't allowed to represent his constituents and what they want. But he, um, yeah, Sergio's drop UConn candidate for citing opposition to public health guidelines. Jonas Smith is no longer a candidate. Jonas so Smith? Is, so a statement from Smith's campaign office goes a step further saying that the reason behind the disallowing of Smith's candidacy is his opposition to calls for implementation of mandated workplace vaccinations and vaccine passport requirements in the wake of COVID-19 pandemic. So there you go. There, of what the liberals are accused of by the PCs, the PCs are then going, doubling down and taking a page of the liberal handbook. Yep. Right? Like, you've got your attorney general that won't do what Trudeau wants, so, which is essentially break the law so she gets booted out of cabinet. This guy isn't even in yet. I think that's going to hurt the Yukon because this guy used to be the president of the Klondike uh, Placer Miners Association. Oh, so yeah. like he has the working class people behind him. Yeah, he seems to be a fairly popular guy up there. Yeah. And he said, uh, uh, I like to think that I'm in touch with the realities of what a lot of people are going through. This is the narrative that we're, to, we're, we're told that worldwide, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people are lining up to get tested and vaccinated. Really, when you look at, look at that, over the last, probably say, four to five weeks, vaccination rates in Canada has just dropped right off. They have. People are not, people are not going. Yeah. Well, people are not testing. Well, people aren't going to get tested. They're not going to the, yeah, not, not getting vaccinated, but it's the big thing on it is have you, there's a report saying uh, a long-term study so far of the Pfizer uh, vaccination has said somewhere that the effectiveness is like 46 percent yeah 40, and 50%. and moderna is around 67 to 70 percent yeah so it's i think i think some people are waking up and cluing in um and reading things but i i just don't understand that we have something like a 72 or 71 percent of one vaccination in canada and uh 63% Canada-wide uh, of two-dose vaccinations. Why can't we just be, that's your choice. We've never done this with the flu. 
Yep. Um, and when you account for all of the, the negatives and the, the initial porting errors of the early terms uh, that where people were dying in mass, there's been no deaths from this so-called variant. Um, uh, no, that's, that's the other thing about this so-called variant. Uh, I was wondering is that if the PCR test can't distinguish between a cold, uh, COVID, or influenza, how is it, how does it just distinguish between the variants? I don't, th- I don't think everyone <laughs> really sat down to think about that. If you can't discriminate between the 230 coronaviruses that are out there, good question. How can you do the subgroup of those 230? Yeah. You know, and we talked earlier this week, it's, it, it's the first uh, eight to nine months of the, of, of the COVID lockdowns where people worried, people didn't know what was going, uh, what, uh, which direction up and down were. There was no variance when there was no vaccines. It's just amazing since the release of the vaccines eight, nine months ago. That and now we have all variants. these variants. Yeah. And really, when you take a look at it, they did. They, 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 they started with a faux pas. You couldn't call it COVID-19 was the China virus or um, the Wuhan, Wuhan virus. But they called the, the Delta variant is essentially the Indian variant. Yeah, that's okay, though. But if you actually look where the Delta variant came from, it yeah. really came from India and it came from Great Britain and it came from Israel first. The three really? places where they started mass vaccination, well, the two places where they started mass vaccinations first because of the Oxford um, AstraZeneca. Yeah. And then it was made, the, uh, a sub portion of the, the vaccine was made in India of the oh, Oxford. Okay. And that's why Ox, the, the AstraZeneca one is disallowed because they say the Indian uh, part of the vaccine uh, or the, the contracting of the India one is not valid. It's, um, it, it's poor practices of, of, of procuring the, the vaccine. But I don't, is anyone ever asked to ask a question of where were these variants in the beginning? Why does it take nine months? Yeah. It, it, it's pretty fascinating that, uh, it, it just happened as the variants have, have, have developed very rapidly. You think about it. Exactly. Well, it happened very rapidly when society started really vaccinating and it came out in Britain and Israel first. Israel like leads the world in vaccination. Now they paid three times the price for all vaccinations. Um, but there was a, there's an article that was written. I, I forget what major newspaper wrote. It, it was the Jerusalem times. Uh, said that um, the CEO of Pfizer wasn't allowed in March of this year of 2020 into Jerusalem because he wasn't not yet vaccinated. They have a strict policy that you can't come into the country unless you're vaccinated. And we got the president of Pfizer that was not yet vaccinated. So I think it was of this year, March of this year, he was yet to be vaccinated. Which makes you to think, why would you want to go with the guy who owns the billion-dollar co- or uh, is management of the billion-dollar company? He, if he hasn't taken it yet, and he, when they interviewed him, they said, well, you know, it wouldn't look appropriate if, um, if I took it out of the hands of people who really needed it. Yeah. That's a noble man right there. He sure is. <laughs> hey, this Falling is getting back, getting back to, to good old uh, 
Maxine. The PPC there. Yes. Yeah, just looking at their platform, it's uh, it's it's actually quite interesting. I know they, uh, they talked talked about uh, starting to. Yeah, it goes right along with our. Initially, our, it was a manifesto. Manifesto, uh, yeah, the manifesto. Policy. But it sounds a little harsh saying manifesto. But yeah, it, right down common sense approach that we came to. Yeah. Of simplifying government instead yep. of making it so convoluted that you have to have so many so many committees and so many different departments to run the most simplest of things. Yeah. Now the interesting thing is the CRA isn't even working yet. They're from home still. And they're not expected to be back. They have the option to be off, which blows my mind. They're not even doing on-site audits. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, let's see what else we got here. I'm going to demo check more into this immigration. Immigration, that's a good one. Uh, with immigration, you know, it comes right down to our, you know, let's stop the, the massive influx of people that will never work in the country and start bringing in people that will work and help build the country rather than just uh, take from it. Exactly. Let's not bring people in that look at it as a, a bank account. Let's have people that want to open up a bank account and not just withdraw from it, right? Yeah. That want to contribute to our society. I think we have this thing in North America, Canada, the U.S., that we feel like everyone wants to be one of us. I think there's just some people in the world. Leave me alone. Don't destroy my country. Stop your foreign policies that uh, prop up foreign dictators. And then I don't have to leave my house. I don't have to leave my homeland. I want to die where I was born. I think this is it. Like the states have a real complex of, I think there's two types of people in the world that Americans think of, uh, politicians, people that are American and people that all the other people that want to be American. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's people that want to be Canadian, but they're over here because our foreign policies have ruined their country. Yep. And, and then you get so many of these uh, people that become Canadian that are, are Canadian by passport only, that don't even live in the country. That right. uh, we saw that in Lebanon uh, during one of their many up up uh, heavals of the civil war that occur there or, or some kind of thing where all these passport Canadians all of a sudden wanted Canada to come to the rescue when yes. uh, they've been living there all their lives in Lebanon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Throw up the get out of jail free card. Yeah. Stand on top of the roof and want the Black Hawk down, Black Hawk helicopter to airlift them to freedom. Yeah. Um, you take a look at this. He wants to um, he wants to decrease uh, refugees from three hundred fifty thousand down to a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand. Yep. Depending on economic and other circumstances. Um, he, I love this one. I never thought of this one. Change the law to make birth tourism illegal. Yeah, I just see that. That that makes sense because, you know, as soon as they get here and they have a baby, now the baby's a Canadian, That's and right. therefore they can they now they can't separate the parents, right? Keeps them here. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does. It absolutely does. And other countries have that. Let, let's not forget that's not racist. That's not protectionist. It's common sense. Yep. If you don't pay into our system, you shouldn't withdraw from our system. That's right. And if you do become an immigrant, you go through the right channels. You just still aren't given keys to the city. Yeah. You should have to contribute, I don't know, 10, 15, 12, 15 years into the pension plan before you're eligible to it. 
In the first right. five years, you shouldn't be collecting EI. That's right. Well, you should be able to stand right. on your own two feet or, or get together with a community that will support you during okay. that time. For example, right? Mm-hmm. If uh, Canada Pension Plan, you have to work and contribute to it to, to receive it, right? Mm-hmm. That old age pension, you just have to be of age and a Canadian citizen to receive it. Absolutely. And so, from that, a lot of our money goes overseas. Yeah. They retired overseas with it. Yep. And a lot of people that are just recently here that are of older, that get here over 65, it's like a, a lottery win for them in many sense because they have uh, old age pension. They got free health coverage, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There should be an expectation that if, almost like our snowbirds, if you're out of the country for 180 days, you lose your OHIP privileges. If you take our passport and go overseas and you don't contribute to Canadian, and, and you know, it's funny because I watched some of the, the mob commission mo- uh, uh, hearings in the States back in the 70s. Yeah. And they interviewed uh, Costello. And one of the senators asked him, what makes you a good American? And he saw it, he said, I pay my taxes. If you don't pay taxes and you don't step foot on Canadian property, on Canadian soil, are you a Canadian? Yep, I don't you, think so. No, I don't think you are. Well, it's like Americans, even when they're living abroad, still have to pay U.S. taxes, right? Right. Yeah. So that's a, such a common sense approach right now. Uh, it, it, he, he's got right here facts. Right now, only 26% of all immigrants and refugees who come to Canada every year are directly chosen because they have the right qualifications and work experiments, uh, experience to fu- uh, fulfill our economic needs. Wow. Wow, 26%. Yeah. I think I can achieve that in government without trying. Yeah, exactly. You have been listening to the Canadian Beacon Podcast. We would love to hear your comments or suggestions. Please email us at cbpodcast at codegeco.ca or follow us on Facebook under the Canadian Beacon.